Yo, 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 Big D back with you on the Big D podcast. Before I bring in Alice for his weekly contribution, please subscribe, like, and share the Spunky Spectrum Sports YouTube page. A lot of content up there and hopefully more coming soon. Also check out the Big D podcast for your audio listeners on Spotify and Apple. So I'm back from fixing calls. Fighting with solar bears and swimming with the dolphins, it's yours truly, Alex. Thank you for the wonderful introduction, Dylan. Glad, uh, pleasure to be back as always for my weekly NFL contribution, and uh, I'm excited to get into it. Back on, back on winning ways in Miami. I love to see it. Yeah, so uh, you know who's back? You know who else is back on the winning race? That um, Mahomes guy. I didn't think he'd be losing that off that much, but uh. How about Mahomes and the Chiefs' second-half performance against Jimmy G and the 49ers? I mean, I thought it was a game 49ers could have won. And Mahomes and the Chiefs later on that second half. I mean, Mahomes threw for 423 as the Chiefs dominated the Niners 30-10 in the second half on Sunday. So, uh, A- is Patrick Mahomes amazing? Yes. And B, how do you think the 49ers will get, will acclimate Christian McCaffrey to that star-studded roster? Yeah, you know, I think uh, A is pretty self-explanatory. Yes, Patrick Mahomes is amazing. Uh, you know, I think not a lot of people expected the San Francisco 49ers to go up 10-0 against the Kansas City Chiefs. I sure don't think the Kansas City Chiefs expected the San Francisco 49ers to go up 10-0 on them. Um, but, it, I mean, it provided all spark, all the boosts that uh, Patrick Mahomes and company needed to uh, shift things into the next gear. But, you know, it's, uh, it's just a tale of Patrick Mahomes. I mean, at the end of the day, the Kansas City Chiefs and Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid are a fantastic football team. I think the San Francisco 49ers have a lot of talent. Um, obviously, but it just seems like they can't necessarily put those final pieces together to really get uh, that successful of a season going on. Obviously, Jimmy Garoppolo is probably not the future of that franchise. Uh, unfortunately for them, Trey Lance goes down for the season-ending injury, and they're kind of stuck with Jimmy Garoppolo this season, but we still haven't really seen much um, from Trey Lance. He really hasn't had that much opportunity yet to uh, really prove that he uh, can lead a franchise in the NFL. But as far as integrating Christian McCaffrey, I mean, it's, it's an easy player to integrate, I feel like. And, and it really does seem like an ideal situation and, and an ideal spot for Christian McCaffrey. We all know that uh, he's had the injury concerns, but when you're the only guy in Carolina, I mean, I know DJ Moore last season was uh, definitely, you know, an extra weapon that they had. But um, this season, he has fallen off the face of the, the face of the earth. They've got quarterback carousels going on it just seemed like Carolina need needed to get as much value as much value as possible um, to really be able to focus on the future and focus on rebuilding but as far as San Francisco goes obviously they get a fantastic playmaker Um, it's going to have less pressure on him to uh, to carry the team as he had in Carolina you know you've got Debo Samuel you've got George Kittle you've got Jeff Wilson really all being able to take a little bit of a load off of Christian McCaffrey. So I think it's a great spot for him. I mean, it's still new. I mean, I don't even think many people expected to see Christian McCaffrey on the field as much as we even did see him on Sunday. Um, so, so, you know, NFL complex, uh, NFL offenses are ridiculously complex. It's going to be, it's going to take him a little bit while a little bit 
uh, to really get adjusted, to get his uh, playbook down. But uh, I really think it's a good spot. I think having Debo there, having George Kittle, it's gonna, he's going to have the weapons. He's in a Kyle Shanahan offense. Um, it, it's, it's a situation that definitely um, has potential and, and has the opportunity for success. It's just really getting that time and getting that, uh, that playbook down and uh, really figuring out what their offensive game plans are going to be with uh, their new weapon. I think Christian McCaffrey's got a chance to be in the Von Miller of last year because we know what CMC is capable of doing. And yeah, the uh, Kyle Shannon and West Coast often very difficult to learn. But uh, guess what? His old man, Ed McCaffrey, played under Mike Shanahan when he coached the Denver Broncos. Yep. So, son with the son of a, <laughs> of a super winning head coach there. And so I think McCaffrey will figure out the offense pretty quick. Secondly, did you see uh, Nico Hardman, uh, three touchdowns, two rushing, and one receiver? I think it was the first receiver in Super Bowl in the Super Bowl era to have two rushing touchdowns and one receiving touchdown. I thought Debo Samuel, Samuel would have been the first. Yeah, you definitely uh, – when, when that kind of stat line comes up, you definitely think Debo Samuel first uh, as the first name that pops in your head. But, you know, it's it's just a product of Tyreek Hill leading the offense. Obviously, t- Travis Kelsey was going to be the main feature uh, for Patrick Mahomes in the receiving core. They brought in Juju Smith-Schuster. They brought in Marquez Valdez-Scantling. But, you know, none of those guys are obviously are going to be able to stand in into that offense and fill in. Uh, the shoes that that Cheeto left. Uh, so it really just is kind of a uh, trusting Patrick Mahomes to, uh, to to read defenses, to make the best decisions, and to get the guys uh, get the guys who are hot and get the guys who are open the ball. And we know, I mean, you know as good as anyone, we know as good as anyone as fans of the National Football League that Patrick Mahomes is going to be able to make uh, his re- receivers look pretty good. So uh, you know, fortunately, uh, 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 you just said his name. Uh, uh, why am I blaming Michael Hardman? Uh, you know, Michael Hardman really kind of kind of made a statement on his own by taking those touchdowns in on the ground. Um, you know, but uh, it's just it's the next man up uh, kind of mantra. It's the next man up situation in Kansas City. You know, Travis Kelsey's there, but uh, other than that, it's really just those those extra um, depth guys that are really able to step it up when when the Chiefs need them to. And uh, Michael Hardman definitely stepped up for the Chiefs, and he stepped up for any uh, brave fantasy owners who wanted to start him this weekend. But uh, let's, uh, you know, just transition. We had another uh, little first primetime, well, actually, no, second primetime, actually, in the Miami Dolphins season, but um, first primetime victory of the Miami Dolphins season, the return of Tua. Uh, it was a big celebration in Miami this, this uh, Sunday night, celebrating the uh, 50th anniversary of the 1972 team. The Dolphins were wearing the best uniform in sports in their throwback jerseys. Wait a minute. Objection. Objection. The Charger Powder Blues. Chargers, Powder Blues. Blues. Blah, blah, blah. I think uh, Dolphins throwback takes the cake there, but might have a little bit of uh, rose-tinted glasses on for that. But, you know, it wasn't the prettiest game for sure. A uh, bit of a snooze fest in the second half. Zero points in the second half. Pretty much a battle of the defenses and a battle of the punters. But, um you know, unfortunately for Pittsburgh Steelers fans, Kenny Pickett lived uh, true to his name, throwing two crucial interceptions late in that game. And uh, Noah Igbenogany, of all people, uh, ended up stepping in, catching a horrible throw by Kenny Pickett at the end of that game to uh, seal the Miami Dolphins' victory. But, uh, 
you know, there wasn't a whole lot to take away from that game. I guess what I want to ask you, Dylan, is what did you see from Tua? He definitely wasn't perfect this up this last week. Had a couple of passes that probably should have been inter- uh, intercepted. But um, did you, I mean, do you think, obviously, I mean, the Miami Dolphins, every every game that, that Tua has finished, they have won. Every game he hasn't finished, they have lost. So do you think with Tua returning to this Miami Dolphins team that they can get back on – uh, towards the higher rankings of the AFC standings, or do you think they're more of a middle-tier AFC team? I think Miami's a really good team. I think Miami's a really good team with two on the center because if you look at it, Miami's 10-2 in his last 12 games with two on the center. Yeah. Secondly, you've got two of the best receivers in football, one of the best young coaches, and yeah, the last two and a half quarters in the goal, but Miami didn't have to do anything. Special. I mean, Miami won the game in the first quarter. Yeah. Based on, you know, we talked about Kyle Shannon in the last segment. Well, Mike McDaniel was part of that system. And guess what West Coast coaches, offensive coaches do? They script the first 10, 15 plays. Yeah. And Miami was going up and down the field. I mean, you were probably unfortunate enough to score more points, but, you know, to, uh, Got the ball up his hands quick against a great steal of passwords. Yeah, minus TJ Wall, but you know, I like what Raheem Mostert did to you. I mean, yeah, Pittsburgh made some good adjustments with with a cheetah and uh water. How to then he thrown in like five interception because it seemed like every pass he threw to steal a play that the ball just found that it fell to the grass. Yeah. Yeah, you know, he def- there was definitely some uh, some misthrows by Tua, but, I mean, you know, the fact that uh, Tua was able to start that game and play the entire football game, you know, you knew there was going to be a little bit of rust coming off of an injury like that. You knew that uh, you can't expect Tua to be his full 100% uh, self going into that game. Obviously, the, the goal was to get the ball out of his hands quickly, minimize the uh, damage he took during that football game. And I think, you know, with that being said, you know, when, when a player gets injured, whether it's a concussion, whether it's a knee injury, whether it's a hip injury, um, they're always going to be, I, I feel like it's just human nature to be kind of um, uh, cautious in favoring that, that, that injury. So I'm not really surprised that Tua made some, uh, some kind of errant throws just so that he knew it's better to get the ball out than to possibly take another shot or something like that. So I, I don't put too much blame on Sua. I think uh, he definitely wish he could have had some of those throws back. But really, unfortunately, uh, in my eyes, I was a little disappointed in, in Mike McDaniel, actually, on, on thir- Sunday night. I think some of the play calling is bad. I think uh, our two-minute drill uh, offense was not – where we needed to be the scripted plays. Those first couple of drives were fantastic. I mean, we were moving the ball at will, but on that third and two, fourth and two, where they gave the ball back to back to chase Edmonds, I I was sick to my stomach seeing that call, but you know, he's a rookie head coach. Um, That's going to happen. He's got plenty of weapons at his disposal. And uh, I think watching back the tape and looking at those situations, he's going to I uh, learn and uh, next time maybe give the ball to Mostert who have been running well or Tyreek Hill, Micah Sakier, or, uh, you know, Jalen Waddle. But, you know, that's all things rookie head coach is going to happen is going to happen too. And uh, I don't put too much blame on McDaniel. And at the end of the day, we got the win. So that's really all that matters. I will say this. I think there is, I, you would probably agree. I think there's a definite big three and everybody else in the UFC. And you could probably guess who those three teams are. Let's see. 
Well, you know the Chiefs are one. You know the Bills are one. And you know Burrow and the Bengals all because have you seen? Did you see Burrow? Yeah. Did, I saw Tyler Boyd racking up the fantasy points uh, in my he starting round. He threw for 480. Yeah. You know, I mean, by the way, in our in our Yahoo League, uh, Josh Allen was on bye, so Burrow was my quarterback. I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that's not Burrow and Cash. Thank God I switched from the mold to Burrow. Yeah, man, we don't, you know, we don't have to talk about that. Mr. Dillon beat me by 0.3 points in DraftKings this week after switching to the quarterback I had locked in all week. But you know, it's all right. We don't have to talk about it. Um, but. You know, what I do want to talk about is uh, we talked a little bit about my team. I want to switch it over to your team because uh, you guys made uh, a bit of a move this week. Uh, the Jacksonville Jaguars, first of all, unfortunately couldn't move that extra yard to get into the end zone on Sunday. But they also uh, did another move by sending James Robinson to the New York Jets. First off, I want to know um, why can't the Jaguars win these close games? It seems like the Jaguars have been a, a bit of a uh, step up from from recent teams we've seen in the past, but. Uh, as far as just getting over that finishing line, it just seems like these games are just a fingernail out of reach for you. So I want to hear about that. And I also want to hear Travis Etienne. I mean, he is probably the hottest name in fantasy football right now with uh, James Robinson being shipped off. Fortunately, I know I have him in a couple of leagues. I know you have him in a couple of leagues. Uh, but do you think he can handle it? I mean, obviously, he's coming off um, completely missing his entire rookie season last year off the injuries, been healthy throughout the season. But do you think as a standalone RB1, he will be able to handle that pressure? What do you think, Don? Well, A, Alex, uh, I figured out the problem with the Jaguars. It took me seven weeks, but the Jacksonville Jaguars needed a one receiver. You look at the Cincinnati Bengals. Guess what? And guess who they have as the number one receiver? Jamal Chase. Look yeah. at the Buffalo Bills with Stephon Diggs. Or your Dolphins with Cheetah and Jalen Water. And yeah, the Jaguars are paying Christian Kirk like he's the number one receiver, but he's a number two. Yeah. The Jaguars need a number one receiver come hell or high water in this draft. Be- because if Jackson doesn't get a number one receiver, it is going to be we are going to be the New England Patriots of Duval County. And I don't know if you saw Monday night, but the New England Patriots offense sucked. Yeah. I don't, want to be, I don't want to be the New England Patriots going five yards, six yards. We need more. Jackson needs more explosives and it's worth its offense. You can't waste Trevor Lawrence's career. And uh, with Ethan, I think Ethan's ready. I mean, I'm not sure Ethan's necessarily a 20, 25, a touch guy, but I think he can get 15, 20, maybe 22 if need be. Great receiver out of the backfield, went for. 100 yards against uh, the Giants on Sunday. I think Ethan's ready. And uh, whether you're in a redraft dynasty, I think Ethan's a top 10 running back the rest of the year, especially with no James Robson stealing the touchdowns. And plus, Ethan brings a little something to me. Of course, Trevor and Ethan played together at Clemson. Ethan brings that little giddy up, and teams need giddy up. I mean, you, you know, with Cheetah going in. If you don't have that run, running back or wide receiver with that speed of explosiveness, you're gonna. It's gonna be uh, what three yards in a cloud of dust. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I you know I was huge on Travis Etienne um, uh, in preseason, uh, off season, leading up to the season. Uh, 
when it came to fantasy uh, fantasy football drafts. I've been I was always trying to get him in my mock drafts, get him on my legit fantasy football teams too. And you know, I didn't necessarily see the James Robinson trade coming. I really just thought that ETN was was going to have a really strong bounce back after after that injury and just kind of take over the backfield. And I mean, he really did. Uh, I mean, you know, both of those running backs were running hard. I was actually a little bit surprised when I heard the news about James Robinson because just because um you know, he, he, he had been actually relatively productive, especially having kind of a two-headed, um, you know, committee-style rushing attack that the Jaguars were using. But, you know, I guess the Jaguars were seeing everything that, that, that you're seeing, everything that I'm seeing, and that, that they believe in Travis Etienne, and they think that he's a good enough running back and a, and a good enough uh, member of their team to really be able to carry that load. So, you know, I think fantasy football owners uh, of Travis Etienne are ecstatic. And I agree with you. I mean, I think he's got all the talent. I think he's got the skill set. He's got, he already has the chemistry with Trevor Lawrence uh, through college. So, um, you know, I'd be pumped if I'm a Jaguars fan. I'm definitely pumped if I'm a Travis Etienne owner in fantasy football. And I, and I think he's, um, I think he's going to be the future of that, of that Jacksonville Jaguars offense. I mean, I obviously still on a rookie deal. He's got plenty of time before you have to, you know, and it always comes down to the question, do you pay your running backs or do you not want to pay your running backs? I mean, you know, it, 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 the position takes so much damage, it's hard to see. But when you've got them under those rookie deals, you may as well hold on to them. James Robinson, obviously, is a little bit older than Travis Etienne. And the Jaguars, I guess, assume that, that, they, that they're happy with the production that Travis Etienne has given them and uh, had it be enough for uh, them to move on from James Robinson. So, you know, it's definitely interested to see how it's going to um, play out for the rest of this football season. Um you know, whether having a breather with James Robinson on the field is good for UTN or if he just wants to be pretty much the number one workhorse back. Um, you know, it's yet to be seen, but I'm, I'm excited to find out. I'll tell you that much. And by the way, if you're in a deeper league to Michael Hasty, maybe we'll fulfill it too. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, you know, we got the trade, the trade deadlines coming up. I mean, just because this is the move that the Jaguars made now, it doesn't necessarily mean that that's going to be their, their running back room going into the second half of the season. There's still time for moves. I mean, I, I don't necessarily see the Jaguars trading away a running back just to trade for another running back, but you never know. I mean, it's the NFL, man. Crazy things can happen, and um, maybe they just want to go a cheaper option, maybe pick someone up off a waiver wire. Waiver wire, I'm talking fantasy. Off a practice squad, but um, – you know, it's uh, it, it's yet to be seen. I'm excited to find out. I'm sure you're excited to find out being a Jaguars fan yourself. But I, as a as a very uh, highly stocked member of the Travis Etienne Fantasy Football Owners Association, uh, I'm excited to see what that's going to bring my uh, my fantasy production. Actually, I did, actually in my dynasty league, I traded uh, Ramondre Stevenson for Travis Etienne, so I was very happy with that news tonight. Yeah. That's a fantastic deal. I would take that every day of the week. You know, you sent me a fantasy deal, including Travis Etienne. And I will say, you know, we don't have to go too far into it, but uh, it was a very fair deal. I just, uh, I don't think I can make the move, but I did. It was a very fair deal. You sent me. All right, Alex. So uh, let's see the Bears and Patriots on Monday Night Football. And uh, that, that was odd. It was odd because I heard Patriot fans yelling for Barry Zappi and uh, who replaced Mac Jones throughout the game, and then Bill Belichick like sort of rotated quarterbacks throughout parts in the second half. Okay. But um, if you were the Patriots, who would be starting for you this weekend against the Jets? 
you know, it's it's a tough spot if you're the Patriots because you have you have this you have Mac Jones who obviously spent a first round draft pick on who's uh, took you to the playoffs last season as a rookie. Um, first, first half of the season, he started a little slow, but by the, by the time of the second half season, he was the hottest quarterback in the national football league. You think you have this franchise guy, the, the, the guy who is supposed to be the savior of the new England Patriots from post, from the post Tom Brady era. And then all of a sudden this season starts, obviously Mac Jones gets banged up, gets hurt, misses some time and Bailey Zabby comes in and the new England Patriots who were looking terrible under Mac Jones all of a sudden start winning a football game or two, start actually producing on offense. And then the questions start coming up. I mean, is Bailey Zappi a a better quarterback than Mac Jones? Is Mac Jones, uh, you know, obviously you invest that first round draft pick into him. You want to believe that he's the guy, but also, I mean, if you can, I mean, they both are on rookie contracts, but you know, you got to go and and Bill Belichick's a smart guy. I think we all know that he's going to go with the quarterback who gives him the best chance to win football games. He's not worried about the theatrics. He's not worried about, um, you know, who was drafted, where he's going to play the best player at that position and the player that gives them the best chance to win the game. Unfortunately for Patriots fans, I really do think, sorry, Dave, I know you're listening and uh, you, you knew it was coming, but I really don't think it matters at the end of the day, Dylan. I don't think this Patriots football team is good enough to really contend for anything this football season. I think they're going to, they're going to end third or fourth in the AFC East and my money's going to be on fourth. I mean, with the, the way the jets are playing, even though they've been decimated by injuries throughout the season and, and especially most recently, but I mean, the Patriots are not a better football team than the dolphins. They're not even close to the bills. So I really don't think it matters who you start. Honestly, I mean, I think you've got to give Mac Jones his chance if he's healthy because he is the guy you spent that first round pick on. And ideally, uh, Patriots fans, and, and I'm sure Bill Belichick, want Mac Jones to be the answer. But as far as from an outside opinion and looking in as a, a fan of a rival AFC team, I'm loving it. I mean, the fact that the fact that their first round draft pick quarterback is in a quarterback controversy with a brand new quarterback that they just brought in from Western Kentucky. I mean, you know, Tom Brady is in the cellar, the Bel- the, the Belichick and the Patriots are in the cellar. I'm loving life as Miami Dolphins fan right now. But, you know, again, I, I mean, I don't really think it matters because I don't think these page, this Patriots team is really going to be doing anything. And it's just a matter of who you want to really get the reps in and groom for uh, the next couple seasons. I think it should be Bailey Zappi because he brings something different. I mean, we've seen Mac Jones play his first year plus in the NFL, and he's exactly the same quarterback he was in Alabama. Efficient, not going to overwhelm you with stats or sexiness from the quarterback, but I think Zappi's efficient. He can he run he plays well within the offense, and I mean there is something for what Zappi did. Week uh, four, five, and six because he he all but beat Aaron Rodgers and the Packers, beat the Lions, and then beat the beat the Browns. And what you think of the Lions and Browns? But Zap Zappy played well in those games, and I think Zappy brings something different. I'm not saying this is going to be Tom Brady 2.0 when he replaced Drew Bledsoe in 2001, but. I think Mac Jones would be better at the Patriots were better offensively, but New England doesn't have any 
any great receivers to Titans. Yeah, they've had good running backs, but good running backs aren't winning you in Super Bowl nowadays. I think New England needs to give Zappy a chance. Yeah, I mean, I, I definitely see where you're coming from. It, it's a tough call because you look at this season. I mean, if you just put this season in a bubble and you're looking at it, I mean, you've got to say that Bailey Zappi gives you the best chance to win. I mean, they beat the they beat the Detroit Lions 29-0 with Zappi under center. They beat the Cleveland Browns 38-15 with Zappi under center. Then Mac Jones comes back, starts the Bears game, and they get blown out even though he got benched. Um, and Bill Belichick even said it wasn't injury-related. They, they always – he said that they planned on playing both quarterbacks the entire game. I think if the Patriots were winning at halftime, I don't think Bailey Zappi's coming in that game. Wait I mean, a minute. Wait a minute. If you have, wait, you know what the old saying with quarterbacks is? If you have two quarterbacks, you don't have any. Thank you. I got you. So I mean, you know, it's 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 tough. But then you you have to think back to last year, and Mac Jones took the Patriots to the playoffs as a rookie, and that has to. I mean, that has to stand for something. It, it, I mean, again, it's a tough spot because like you just said, if, you, if you've got two quarterbacks, you don't have one. I think they have two guys who can win you a football game or two, but they're not two guys who are really going to take to the promised land. So, I mean, I think, I think at the end of the day, I think you're right. I think you got to go with Zappy. I think he's produced the best this season. Um, and it, it gives you an opportunity to see what he has, and if he really can be a guy that, because like you said, you know what you're getting with Mac Jones. He's, everything we've seen from him in the NFL is everything we saw from him in Alabama, and uh, I don't think you're really going to learn much else by playing Mac Jones the rest of the season, but at least if you give Bailey Zappi uh, a good stretch of games here, you can really see if you have something in him, because, I mean, you know Tom or you know Bill Belichick is not um, – uh, or he's able to find a, uh, a little bit of a late gem at the end of a draft. So, uh, you know, is Bailey Zappi the new Tom Brady? I mean, I sure hope not, but I, re- I really don't think so. But if the Patriots want to find out, uh, it's really the only way to, the only way to do it. All right. It's rant time. And uh, I figured since uh, I've, I've been steaming the last couple of weeks, I know Alex is steaming. So uh, Alex, you have the plate, and hopefully you don't strike out. And hopefully, unlike Aaron Judge and the New York Yankees and the OCS, you don't strike out. Yeah, at least Patriots fans can uh, be happy that uh, their Boston Red Sox rivals, New York Yankees, got swept out of the playoffs. But yes, it is time for my rant. You know, I'm going to take a little bit of a different approach today. I'm not as angry at the current situation more as I am angry at the situation of a whole. And my rant for you today, Dylan and ladies and gentlemen listening at home is about Thursday night football. Thursday night football is the worst thing to happen to the national football league in a very long time. Um, The entire scheduling around the concept that you can play a football game on Sunday and then have to come back and play another football game four days later on Thursday night football is a, unfair to the athletes, it's unfair to the coaches, it's, uh, coaches, it's unfair to every organization, but B, it's unfair to the fans because other than a couple um, uh, outliers, such as this most recent week with the Saints and the Cardinals, which is why I hesitated bringing this up as a rant because we actually got a high school football game this week, Thursday nights have been awful. Uh, obviously, the Dolphins-Bengals page, uh, the Dolphins game, the two, the two, uh, the two injury game is something that I want to put out of my mind. So I hate Thursday night football even more because of that situation. But I just, it's, it's just they have to find a way to make these games. And it's not even—I don't even think it's about the teams that are involved. It's really just about that four-day turnaround. 
But I saw something on social media the other day that I thought was absolutely perfect. And I'm going to share it with you as part of this rant. The NFL needs to realize that they have a perfect opportunity to not only fix Thursday night football, but fix, but give every NFL fan in the world, I'm sorry, in the country, because this relates to just the country, a gift. And what that gift is, is the day off after Super Bowl Sunday. Hear me out, Dylan. There's a bit of a, there's a bit of math that goes along to this, but if the NFL adds two by makes two bye weeks per season, each team has two bye weeks. You bump the NFL season back an extra week because there's that extra bye week. You only play on Thursday night, uh, the week after a bye week. So every team playing on Thursday night will be coming off one of their two bye weeks. That pushes that NFL season back. That pushes the start of the playoffs back, and that pushes Super Bowl Sunday back. And if you push that NFL season back to the third and have the Super Bowl on the third Sunday of February, do you know what happens on the third Monday of February every single NFL season or any every single year? Uh, that sounds like Mardi Gras, right? It is not Mardi Gras. It is. Oh, my gosh. Hold on. I have it. Give me one second. It is President's Day. The third Monday of, of February, every single year, is President's Day, which is a federal holiday. You add a second bye week to every team in the NFL season. You only get Thursday night football games coming off of a bye week. That's going to make those games more exciting. That's going to make those teams more prepared and refreshed for that Thursday night game. The fans are going to love it because you're getting more exciting football on Thursday. And then you push that NFL season back one week to where you get that Super Bowl on the third Monday of February or third Sunday of February every single year. Boom. Free day off, national federal holiday, day after the Super Bowl. It is the most smart, logical, foolproof plan that I have seen regarding Thursday night football and even a little gift free at the end of the NFL season. The NFL has butchered Thursday night football. We have we have seen we have we have had we've gone through enough with these Thursday night games. It's time for it to be fixed. It's time for the NFL to do what's right. Give a longer football season, give more exciting games on Thursday night, and give us the day after the Super Bowl as a federal holiday where we do not have to go to work the day after the Super Bowl. That's my rant. We need to fix Thursday night football, and that's the way you have to do it. It'd be a way to save the football players because uh, you imagine come back, you imagine the guys who play on Thanksgiving go Sunday, Thursday, Thursday, and potentially play three games in 11 days with no even 10 day break there. And, you know, the NFL has been so, so vocal about player safety and about, and about how, you know, we're so concerned about Tua, even though they're letting their, Saying, you know, Mike Tomlin, I could go on, go on for hours about this. Mike Tomlin was so critical about the Miami Dolphins and playing Tua, even though Kenny Pickett got diagnosed with a concussion. He was all gung-ho for him to start on Sunday. So, you know, the NFL is so focused on player safety. You add that second bye week, the NFL players are going to love it because it's, it's just an extra week that they don't have to get into a car crash practically on uh, in between the lines. It's a perfect situation. It's good. It's, it's a good for the for the image of the NFL, it's good for the players of the NFL, and it's good for the fans of the NFL. 
I think I think it makes a lot of sense. I mean, especially with seventeen games schedule. I mean, another bye week would help because everybody be fresher. Especially yeah. if you got like a week six bye week, having that second bye week would just freshen up the legs, freshen up the mind. Especially you play. You imagine you saying you said, "Hey, you get a bye week week six and week 15 I'm ready for the stretch run. Let's go. Let's go." And then the best part of it all, you get to have fun at a Super Bowl party and not have to worry about going to work the next day. <laughs> you, just, you just want the day after the Super Bowl, a national holiday. I mean, it's a nice little perk. I mean, I think, it, I think it's, a, it's, a, it's an answer to a problem that we've been having since they introduced Thursday Night Football and really since the Super Bowl era. I mean, no one wants to go to work the day after the Super Bowl, and now we don't have to. All right, Alex. Uh, you'd be glad th- this episode's not recording on a Thursday. So thanks for hopping on, and uh, we will see you uh, next week. Hopefully, your Dolphins get a win over another win over the Lions, and uh, the London Jaguars will hopefully reign supreme across across the pond. You remember last year, right? Oh, we don't have to talk about that, Dylan. But. Yeah, thanks for having me on, Dylan. It's been a pleasure as always. It's uh, Can't wait to talk to you next week. And, uh, you know, fins up as always, baby.